0: He hears us and he draws close. Amen and amen. All right, you can take a seat. If you're watching online, you can grab a seat as well. Chances are you're probably already sitting. But thank you for being here with us today at New Story Church. Whether that's in person or online, we consider you to be a part of our family. We consider you to be a part of New Story Church here. And the fact that you would take an hour out of your time to be with us here today, it just means the world to us. And we are so thankful to have you with us on your way in today if you're here with us in person hopefully you received one of these cards on the way in with our series graphic for our series that we're in right now human this is the final week of our series human if you're not with us in person, sorry you didn't get one of these cards, but uh, if you would like one, you can just reach out to us, newstorybuffalo.com, get connected, or you can send me an email, Scott Lackey at newstorybuffalo.com, and we will get you one of these nice little cards. Uh, Zach Morano, our drummer, we call him Z-Money. He makes all of our graphics, and this one just looks fantastic. We love it, but we, got, we gave you this little card for a reason. If you're at home, I would ask that you just bring out a piece of paper or an index card or the notes app on your phone. If you didn't get one here today, you can do the same. But I'm going to ask you to participate in an exercise that I've had you do here before at New Story Church. I do this a lot because we exist so that people can discover the new story that Jesus has for their lives. And if that's to happen, then you have to become connected to the purpose that God has for you. God has a unique purpose for each and every one of us, and that's part of the reason why we did this series, Human. So that we could discover the humans that God has created us and designed us to be. And oftentimes for us to find that purpose, what we have to do is to identify a problem that exists in the world that we're passionate about and we want to do something about. And so on the blank side of the card, or if you're at home with a piece of paper or your notes app, whatever that looks like, I want you to write down a problem that you notice that exists in the world, that it really bothers you, it keeps you up at night, and you would like to do something about this problem. Now, for some of us, this might be on a more immediate level. There's not a right or a wrong answer to this. But for some of us, the problem that you may recognize that you want to write on this card right here, right now, because we're all going to participate, it might mean something that you see in the workplace. Maybe there's a problem that you notice, there's some tension among various employees, and you want to be a part of the solution instead of continuing to participate in the gossip, which we all are prone to do at times. Uh, Maybe it's something like that. Maybe there's a problem within your family and you've noticed it's a problem, and instead of continuing to just say nothing, you know that you need to say something. Maybe the problem that you notice in the world is something more immediate. Maybe it's something with a friend, a family member, a coworker. Maybe the problem that comes to mind for you is something that's a little bit bigger picture. Once again, there's not a right or wrong answer to this. We're all just wired a little bit differently, and so maybe for you it's something like Hunger, you notice a lot of people you know, in other parts of the world or even just in your own neighborhood may not have access to, to food or something like that. Or maybe you're thinking of something like the division that's existing in this country right now, you'd like to be a part of bringing together people for unity. Or maybe it's something like modern day sex slavery, whatever it is, you, you say, hey, I think about this, I've seen people do something about it, I would like to be a part of the solution. Not a right or wrong answer. And maybe you're sitting here and you're thinking, I really just don't know, and I feel like there's a lot of pressure right now, and so I'm going to pretend to write something down, because everybody else is writing something down, and I might feel like less of a person if I don't write something down, because how, you know, heaven forbid, I not have a problem, too. Does that mean I don't have a purpose? You might be thinking that. Hey, you just, you just got something to get to pray about now. Hey, God, what's going on around me that you may want me to do something about? So don't feel bad if you can't think of something right up the top of your head, but it could be something immediate. It could be something bigger picture. It could be it could be uh, multiple different things. It could be many different things. It, sometimes it has to do with how you're wired or whatever it is you're interested in. What is a problem that you notice that you said, you say, hey, I would like to do something about this and write it down. And my challenge for you, we're going to pray for this at the end of the message today, but that you would take this home, you would put it in a place that you see it every single day, whether it's in a mirror or whether it's in a book or a Bible or whatever it is, you would see it every day and you'd begin to think about God. How can I be a part of this? Because the title of today's message is this, A Better World, A Better World. In the first week of this series, we talked about God's intention for humanity, that we are intended to create, we are intended to care for the creation, and we are intended to further God's good work in his creation. And then we looked at the new humanity that Jesus initiated when the word became flesh. That was the second week and how we can become the humans that that Christ designed us to be by following the ethics of Jesus and following the way of Jesus. And then last week, we got a little bit more specific and we talked about the power of speech. And if you missed any of these messages, they're all on our YouTube channel. You should all subscribe online or in person so you can keep up to date with what we're doing on our YouTube channel. And uh, that was the power of speech. But this week, we're looking at the power and the ability that God has given us to create, to choose to make a difference, to create the better world that God has designed us and created us to make. Because no matter who you are, no matter where you're from, and no matter what you've done, God has a plan and a purpose for you, and he has a new story for you to live in. And so we want to all be a part of creating the better world that God has called us and designed us to create. That's my desire for our church. That's my desire for all of us. But let's be honest. To create a better world, to notice a problem and to say something about it, that can be very intimidating. It can be nerve-wracking. It can be, oh man, should I really say something right now? Because people are, all of us, including myself, we're not oftentimes open to feedback. When somebody notices a problem and you say something to them about it, oftentimes you're met with, excuse me, or you should keep your mouth shut, or why would you say that, or hey, it's really not that big of a deal, why would you say something? That's what we're met with. In fact, last year, I was reading a really interesting book by Adam Grant called Originals, and the subtitle is Why Nonconformists Change the World, and in this book, he was looking at mostly workplace environments, and, and healthy work environments, and unhealthy work environments, And in the beginning of the book, he talks about how most people are afraid to speak up about something they notice at work that is wrong, that should be changed, and it actually could be hurting other people. He had this to share in the book. He said, advocating for new systems often requires demolishing the old way of doing things, and we hold back for fear of rocking the boat. Among nearly a thousand scientists at the Food and Drug Administration, among a thousand scientists, more than 40% were afraid that they would face retaliation if they spoke up publicly about safety concerns. Of more than 40,000 employees at a technology company, half felt it was not safe to voice dissenting opinions at work. When employees in consulting, financial services, media, pharmaceuticals, and advertising companies were interviewed, 85% admitted to keeping quiet about an important concern rather than voicing it to their bosses. And I imagine you have been in that place before as well. You've probably been on both ends of it. You've been the person who notices something wrong, and you want to say something, but you know that nobody will do anything about it. Or you've been on the other end, where somebody has said something to you, and you know that it might be wrong, but you just get really defensive, so you don't really listen to what they have to say. Adam Grant went on to later explain in the book that in most studies, they found that whenever somebody does speak up out about a problem in in the workplace, it is it means that they are more likely to not receive a raise. If you're the person who speaks up and says something, even if it's a good idea, even if you're speaking up against something that's wrong, you're most likely going to be viewed as the, from the authorities in the workplace as a pain in the rear end and you're not going to get a raise. That's the view that we have. And we can all be like this. I mean to be honest, I can be like this. I've shared this before at New Story Church on Tuesdays I send my messages to Neil, our executive pastor and he always listens to them and says, hey, you should change this, you should change that. You should. And sometimes he doesn't give me any feedback at all. In the past few weeks, it had been really easy. He was like, that sounds great, go with that. But this past Tuesday, I sent him my message, and he sent me an entire text message of things that I needed to change, and I did not want to change those things. And so I sent back an entire text message in response, questioning, why would you want me to change those things? And then I started thinking back to this message, and I thought, I am being the person who does not want to receive feedback, and who does not want to hear about a better way of doing things. I am completely disrupting and hurting the process that we have put in place for putting together messages here at New Story Church. And then finally, I listened to Neil, and I said, okay, I won't use some of those examples that you told me not to use. But at first, I felt it getting, like, why would you say that? Who are you to say that to me? And we as humans, we have to admit, we don't always like receiving feedback, and we really don't like being told that we're wrong. And all of us can be way too sensitive. I was getting ready to use this example. I had this in my mind for our series in October, but I'll just say it again then and I'm going to say it right now. What's so funny to me is other generations like to look at us millennials and refer to us as the snowflake generation. But as soon as we criticize a previous generation, they get extremely defensive. So let's just level the playing field here and say that we all have an ability to be oversensitive sometimes. We all can be way too sensitive a lot of the times, but we need to be open to hearing and receiving feedback. But oftentimes when it comes to this idea of creating a better world, that can be intimidating because the person that you have to talk to might have some authority over you. And so when you try to give them feedback on something that could be better, it's like, I don't really know if I could do that because they have control and it can become intimidating. And this isn't only true in the workplace and in the family life and other things. This can be true in the faith world as well. We make statements sometimes as people who follow Jesus. And in making these statements, we often hide behind a statement that is true. But we take that true statement out of context so that we can hide behind it. So, for example, when somebody is facing a really difficult problem and they say, well, you know what? The good thing, God is in control. That is true. That is true. And some of us need to say that because some of us are control freaks, and we need to surrender control of attempting to control everything, and we need to let God be in control. But sometimes I think the reason we say, well, God is in control is because it's more so a statement of fear than it is a statement of faith. Because we know that in the situation that we're talking about, God has told us to do something to create a better world but we are afraid to do that thing so it's easier to just say, well, God's in control. I'm going to pray about it, forget about it, and move on with my life. It can just as easily creep into the faith world as well. I had this quote from pastor and author Erwin McManus. He says this, the problem is that evil men do not wait for permission from God to create the future that they have in mind. But unfortunately, good people sit idly by waiting for God to create a better world. I'm going to read that again. The problem is that evil men do not wait for permission from God to create the future they have in mind. We've seen that over and over again throughout history. But unfortunately, good people sit idly by waiting for God to create a better world. It's easier to just say, oh, God's in control, he's got that especially when you know that he's calling you to do something that could be putting you at risk, especially when you know that he's calling you to do something that could put you in an uncomfortable situation, especially when you know that he's calling you to do something that might have you confront somebody who has more authority, more power, or a structure that has more authority or power than you. But that's what it means to truly trust that God is in control, to go into a space with faith And say, I don't really know what's going to happen here, God, because it seems like that person or that structure is in control. But I'm trusting that I'm doing the right thing because ultimately you are in control. Sometimes the best way to demonstrate that God is in control is by moving in faith, not just sitting and waiting. And we are going to see that example today in a story of a guy named Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a character in the Old Testament in the Jewish scriptures. And and Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the Persian king. And Nehemiah's people, the Jewish people, the Israelites, they had returned, a small remnant of them had returned to Jerusalem. And when they returned to Jerusalem out of this captivity, the walls were completely destroyed, which was a big deal. Because in ancient time period, you had to have walls established around your city to protect you. And they needed to have walls up so that they were not taken into another type of captivity again. But Nehemiah, he's just a cupbearer to the Persian king, yet he hears about this situation. And what could he possibly do about it? The cupbearer was in some ways an honored position, but it was also a really strange position. He would have to drink something before the king would drink that drink to ensure that it wasn't poisonous, which is an interesting job because Nehemiah, if he got poisoned, that meant, uh, you know, so he had this really strange job. And he gets word that some some of his people have returned to Jerusalem and the walls are destroyed. What could a cupbearer to the Persian king possibly do about this? What could a cupbearer, what could he possibly do? How could he possibly create a better world and be a part of the solution of rebuilding the wall? Because from a worldly perspective, he's just a cupbearer, right? And from looking at the life of Nehemiah, I want us to see three steps of how we can boldly in faith move forward into creating the better world that god has designed you and created you to design and create so the first step is this go to god this is an extremely important step to go to god in prayer but sometimes we have the wrong idea of prayer the prayer is oh i'm going to give this to god i'm going to forget about it and then move on with my life he'll take care of it and there are once again some things that that's how it works but there are other things at times. When we go to God in prayer, we actually should be listening for his voice because he might be telling us to do something. He might be telling us to be a part of making and creating a better world. We are here on purpose. And Nehemiah goes to God in prayer when his heart is heavy, when he hears this news, and it says this in Nehemiah chapter one, verse four. When I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I was fasting and praying before the God of heaven. (laughs) So he goes to God. This is always the best first response, to go to God and see, God, here's my problem. Here's the problem that I've noticed. Here's what's happening. But don't just go to God and say, I hope you take care of it, and then move on. Sometimes in going to God, we actually have to say, God, what do you want me to do about it? Nehemiah gives a long prayer in Nehemiah chapter 1 that we're not going to read all of today, but you should read at some point this week if you're looking for something to read in the scriptures. It's great. You should read it. Uh, he goes and gives this prayer. And we can tell from Nehemiah's response that he didn't see himself as just a cupbearer, but he was listening to God and receiving a plan from God, and we're going to get to that in just a minute. But I want you to, I want all of us, I want even myself to wrap our minds around this today. You are not just a whatever you are. If it's in your job, you are not just an accountant. You are not just a salesperson. You are not just a mechanic. You are not just a receptionist. If it's it's in your family life, you are not just a husband. You're not just a wife. You're not just a parent. No, you have been given these roles by God. God has placed you that's You're not, oh, I'm just a single person right now. No, God has placed you in this season of life with a purpose and a plan in mind. And your vocation, your role, wherever you're working, it's not a limitation. It's an opportunity. Wherever you find yourself, it's not a limitation. Nehemiah could have said, oh, I'm just a cupbearer. That's a great limitation. What could I possibly do? But wherever you find yourself, it's not a limitation. It's an opportunity to, open, to, to walk into the open door that God has right in front of you. It's e- it would have been easy for Nehemiah to say, oh man, this is the Persian king. What could I possibly say to him? Because he has a lot of authority. He has a lot of power. What could I possibly do? How could I possibly make a difference? I'm just a cupbearer and you might be looking at a limitation around you and saying, or in front of you and saying, or an obstacle or a source or whatever it is, how can I get around this? But when you're connected to God, and you understand that you're not just a whatever, but you are an image bearer of God, created in God's image, who in Christ Jesus you are a new creation with the Spirit of God dwelling inside of you to bring about new humanity and restoration. You can embrace the faith to move forward into what God has for you. Amen, amen. You can move forward in faith. And that's what Nehemiah does. That's our second step. Know God, know the plan. Know God, know the plan. When you know God, when you seek God in prayer, you begin to know the plan that he has for you to pursue. You see, Nehemiah finds himself in an interesting spot. He's in front of the king, and he's sad. He's, he's upset, which is kind of a dangerous thing to be doing. Who, who, how dare Nehemiah go into the presence of the king upset? In the presence of the king, you should be joyous. You should be happy because you are in the presence of royalty. And the king could have taken this as a great offense, that Nehemiah would show up in his presence sad. But God uses this as a great opportunity. And because Nehemiah was so close to God, he knew the plan that he had to execute. So so he was sad, and the king said, hey, I notice you're sad, and the king actually has compassion towards Nehemiah. And he begins to ask him, hey, what's the problem? Nehemiah explains to him the situation that's going on in Jerusalem, how there's no wall. And then the king is kind of like, well, hey, and this is Nehemiah chapter 2, by the way, which you can also read this week. Nehemiah chapter 2, the king said, well, you know, what what should I do? You know, what, what, what could I do, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah has a full plan. He said, well, first of all, here's how long it would take to rebuild the wall. Here's how long it would take. And then he said, hey, king, could you also write me some letters so that when I go back to rebuild the wall, because I really want to do this and I want to lead the people in doing this, can you write some letters so that I can get through these different regions? The king's like considering this. And then the king said, well, what else could you use? And Nehemiah said, well, I need you to really write some, uh, get the, provide some timber as well. Could you provide some of the timber that you have access and availability to so that we have the proper resources to rebuild the wall? King says, good. You know how long it's going to take and yes to the letters, and yes to the timber. Yes, yes, yes. Nehemiah knew God, so he knew the plan. And when you draw close to God, when you go to God with the problem that you know that you have to face, that he has designed you and wired you to go after so that you can create a better world, He will give you a clear plan. And I love what Nehemiah says here in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 8, after he gives all of his requests to the king. He says, and the king, what did he do? He granted them to me because the good hand of my God was on me. Amen. The good hand of my God was on me. When we embrace what it means to be truly human and giving our lives to Jesus, the good hand of a good God will be with you to do a good work. And that's what Nehemiah understood because he had drawn close to God. God gave him a plan. He knew things are going to be okay because the good hand of a good God is with me to do a good work. He believed that, so he moved forward in faith. Sometimes we overcomplicate God's will. Man, I just don't know if this decision is in God's will right now. I don't know if I should do this. I don't know if I should go here. I don't know if I should do that. I just don't do this. God's will is more about who you are than where you are. And if you are the type of person who is is exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit, putting on display the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, you can know that you're in the will of God because you're actually bringing the will of God to whatever situation you find yourself in. The will of God is more about who you are than where you are. And when you know a good God, his good hand will be with you. Well, I just don't know God's will because you know what? I was taught that Jeremiah 17.9, Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful. Yes, it does. Jeremiah 17.9 says that the heart is deceitful. But Jeremiah lived in a pre-resurrection world. We now live in a world where Jesus has died for us. And then he came back from the grave and sent his Holy Spirit. And guess what Paul says? That the Spirit of God renews our hearts and our minds. Do we not believe that the Holy Spirit is real, renewing our hearts and our minds? We don't have to walk around with decision paralysis all the time. Am I doing the right thing? Am I doing the right thing? Not if you're close to God and you're listening to his Holy Spirit. He renews our hearts and our minds he is real he is alive he is speaking and he renews our hearts and our minds and when he wraps our passions up with God's passions we can move forward in God's will God is not hiding trying to trick us sometimes I feel like we have this view of God that oh I'm on a balance beam right now and God is holding the back of my shirt making sure that I don't slip I feel like that's the view of God we have and God is just, God is waiting. He's waiting for us to slip. And he's waiting to trick us. And, and, he's, and, he's, just wait, and he's just waiting for that to happen. And, and, it's, and it's like this, God, God, and we forget that Jesus said, no, once you're in my hand, you can't be snatched out of my hand. Go to John 10, 28. That's what Jesus says. You can't be snatched out of his hand. And, and so we, we treat God as like, am I going to slip? Am I going to fall? And, and then I, I hear some people saying right now, oh, gee, Scott, but you know, in, in Matthew chapter seven, I mean, Jesus says that the way is narrow. He says it's narrow. He does not say that it's unclear. It's actually incredibly clear. Walk in the way of Jesus, listen to his spirit, and when your life is displaying the fruit of the spirit, You can know that you are walking in God's will. You are a part of creating the better world that God has called you to create. And if you're saying, how could I possibly know that? Stay close to him in his word, stay close to him in prayer, and surround yourself with other godly people. And if you're really ever questioning anything, go to them and trust them to be honest with you. God's will is not, you know, I'm going to wait for you to slip, I'm going to wait for you to mess up, I'm going to wait for you to screw up. God holds us in his hand, and the way is narrow, but it's not unclear. It's incredibly clear. In Psalm eighteen, I love the psalmist says this. You, Psalm eighteen thirty six, you do what God? You enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. It doesn't say, oh God, you know you make the steps really small so you make it hard for me and I might fall over. And you know, no, you enlarge my steps under me, and my feet have not slipped. I like the way the New Living Translation says this as well. It'll be up on the screen here in just a second. It says, you have made a wide path for my feet to keep them from slipping. God is not hiding. God is not trying to trick us. If you, know, you saw two weeks ago, the reason Jesus took on flesh is because God said, I'm drawing close. You don't have to hide anymore. He's drawing close. He enlarges the steps under you so that your feet will not slip if you've constantly been under this view that God's trying to trick you you can be set free from that today know God when you know God you'll know the plan and that's why Nehemiah said the good hand of good God was on me yes Nehemiah also lived in a pre-resurrection world but he stayed close to God and when you allow God to shape your heart in such a way that your passions become God's passions you can know that you're moving forward in his will. He will shape your heart and mind. The power of the Holy Spirit has the power to do that. Which brings us to our final step. Execute the plan. Execute the plan. Nehemiah gets permission. He goes back to Jerusalem. He's a brilliant leader, by the way. He, he hangs out in Jerusalem for three days. He gets kind of a, a look of the land. Doesn't say this specifically, but I imagine he was looking around and saying, yeah, that guy over there, he's not a good worker. He's not going to be helpful. <laughs> oh, over there, man, he's, he's busting his butt. That's going to be like my number two over there when we start building this wall. Like, he's, he's observing the land. He's getting a feel for things. Oh, you know, this motivates that. And, he, and he's seeing things. And he's getting an idea for things. And after three days, he starts doing some talking. And he starts gathering some people. And he starts executing the plan that God had created him and designed him to execute. It says this in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 through 18. Then I said to them, you see the bad situation that we are in? This is what a good leader does. A good leader is like, hey, there's this bad situation. We need to do something about it. The bad situation we are in? That Jerusalem is desolate and its gates burned by fire? Come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me. Then they said, let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. Nehemiah came in and he executed the plan. He said, here's what we got to do. And they put their hands to work. As soon as you begin to create the better world that God called you to create, people will begin to follow you. And that will be a sign of affirmation that you're doing what God has called you to do. People will begin to follow you. Now, I I have talked to some people before who who told me that that God told them to do something and they they show up and they just don't have much of a plan. And I'm not saying that you have to have every detail figured out, but if you just show up with some grand, big idea, people will follow you for maybe a week. (laughs) You need to have some steps. Here's what we're going to do. Here's how we're going to make this happen. That's why it's so important to know God so that you can know the plan that he has. And Nehemiah is a great leader because he begins to execute the plan. So this is what we're going to do and this is how we're going to do it. And then some people begin mocking him, Sanballat and Tobias. And no, it's not the same Tobias from Arrested Development. He's the only other Tobias that I know of. Uh, but they, they, they begin to mock him. And they're mocking and mocking and mocking. Uh, and, and they're just making fun. And they do it over and over and over again. They don't stop. But Nehemiah stays focused. He keeps moving forward. He doesn't let that hold him back from anything. And there are a couple of critical voices that will come along as you begin to build the future that God has in mind. There will be some voices that are good voices to listen to sometimes. They're voices of wisdom. They're voices of people who maybe went before you. They're voices of people who, when they come and ask you a question, they're not trying to make you slip. They're just trying to get you to consider things a little bit more. They're the voices of, of, hey, who walks with the wise become wise. So listen to those voices when you're executing the plan. They're just trying to help a little bit. But those voices are not the same as the mockers. The mockers are the people who are looking at the good work that you're doing, and in light of their own insufficiencies and insecurities, they begin criticizing you. They begin criticizing you because they look at the nothing that they're doing and they're jealous of the something that God has asked you to do. And that's what Sanballat and Tobias are doing. They're just mocking away at Nehemiah. They just keep chirping, and they don't stop, and they keep going. Read the story. They, they come up with so many different ideas of, here's how we can get this guy to stop this. And that's what will happen when you begin to create the better world that God has, has asked you to create. There might be some people who come along mocking and chirping, and you just have to stay focused. It was like, know God and know the plan, and the good hand of a good God is with you, and that's what will keep you focused. And Nehemiah did not give in to the chirping. He stayed focused. And look at what happened in Nehemiah chapter 6. Nehemiah 6.15. So the wall was completed on the 25th month. In how many days? 52 days. Nehemiah was used by God to create a better world for God's people in 52 days days, Nehemiah 6.15. He rebuilt in 52 days. Imagine what God could do with your life if you took the problem that you noticed around you, and you said, I'm going to go to God, and then I'm going to know God, and when I know God, I'll know the plan, and then I'm going to execute the plan. Imagine the better world that he has called his church to create. Imagine the better world that we as humanity could bring about if we would become the humans that God has designed us to be imagine the better world we could create if we didn't just stand idly by but instead we said yes to god i am going to embrace the responsibility that you have given me imagine what the world would look like if that's what we as the church chose to do i'm going to invite the band forward in this time but just a few more things to think about this is a bottom line for this message but it's also for the entirety of this series If you missed the past few weeks, go check them out on our YouTube channel. It really kind of all builds up to this. But true humanity will choose to create a better world. True humanity will choose to create a better world. True humanity will boldly, in faith, create the better world that God has in mind. To lay down our preferences and our convenience for the sake of others. To say that, just as Jesus said, greater love has no one than he who lays down his life for his friends, we are going to live into that and lay down our preferences and our convenience for the sake of others to create the better world for humanity that God has designed us and called us to create. This is what our core values are all about here at New Story Church. We have core values. If you don't know, they spell story. First one's two words, service and celebration, trust, outstanding effort, relationships, and yes to God. When we serve and celebrate people, when we say I'm going to serve people because Jesus came not to be served but to serve, so we are going to serve people and we are going to celebrate people because our good God loves them and he has a purpose for them, so we are going to serve and celebrate people. When we do that as a church, we are creating the better humanity, the better world that God has for us. When we say trust, I'm going to trust God above all else, above all other powers and beings and institutions. We are trusting God no matter what. We are going to create a better world because we are going to participate in the eternal work that God has for us. When we give outstanding effort in everything we do, not just here at church, but on every single day of the week, people will begin to notice that there's something different about this group of people who call themselves the church, who call themselves Jesus followers, because we give outstanding effort in everything we do. In our relationships, with no matter who they are, no matter where people are from, we are going to be christ in our relationships. We're going to bring the power of the Holy Spirit with us. And by investing in strong relationships, we are going to create a better world. And in saying yes to God with everything that we have, in saying yes to God with our possessions, and saying yes to God with our very being, we will create the better world and write the new story that Jesus has designed us and called us to create. We are not going to be the church that stands by waiting on God because we recognize that it is God who is waiting on us. God is on the move. He's moving. He's moving. He's moving. God is not standing back with his hands on his knees going, oh, Scott, I just can't keep up right now. Let me go get a bottle of water because you're just doing so much for the kingdom. I really need, Scott, you just need to slow down. I can't keep up. Scott, let me go take my flow vent and albuterol right now. I got this asthma attack that's happening. I just can't keep up. That's not what God is doing. He's not standing here, oh, I'm just waiting. I just can't keep up. No, it's our job to try to keep up with him, to try to keep up with the new creation that he's bringing to the present age. His kingdom come, his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what we're designed to do. Amen. Amen. I'll just go back to Nehemiah, chapter 2, verse 8. And the king granted things, these things to me because the good hand of my God was on me. The good hand of a good God is with you to restore his good image within you so that you can bring about his good purpose. True humanity will choose to create a better world. No matter what opposition is in our way, no matter what person or power structure might be saying, no, you can't, no, you shouldn't. Oh, I'm afraid, I'm scared. We all are. But that's why we as the church come together to create the better world that God has in mind. That's how we'll be light. That's how we'll bring hope. That's what it means for us to be truly human, to know that a good hand of a good God is with us, to bring about good and new creation. Here's what I want to do as we close this out today. The band's going to start playing a little bit. And I want you to look at whatever it is that you wrote down. And don't, I didn't write on the back of mine, and it's not because I'm a hypocrite, it's because I have really bad handwriting, and if I were to flip it over and you saw that, you'd be appalled. But I want you to really think about this right now. We're going to have a moment of prayer. And I want you to start praying about in per, whether you're online or here with us right now, all of you are a part of our family, all of you are a part of New Story Church, and I want you to start praying about this in this moment. God, go to God. Start saying, God, I want to know you more, and I want to know the plan. What is it that you are asking me to do? What is my next step? How can I be a part of the solution? It goes back to the prayer we prayed a couple weeks ago. Maybe you don't have something, and you're wondering, I don't, I don't know, maybe, maybe you don't have something, Start praying the prayer that I asked you to pray two weeks ago. God, what new work are you doing in me and around me? Give me the boldness and the confidence to say yes to that good work. What is it that God is asking you to do? And how can you be a part of the solution? How can you, as Nehemiah did, embrace the opportunity, even in the face of intimidation and opposition, to start creating the better world that God has in mind. So if you all would, please bow your heads and close your eyes in this moment. I'm going to start us in prayer, then I'm going to give you a few moments to talk with God alone. And then I'll close us in prayer. And then we'll get to sing together. But Jesus, I thank you that you created us on purpose for a purpose. I thank you that here in this moment that you draw close to us, that you hear our voice, that you hear our cries, and that you are moving within each and every one of us. Nobody here, wherever the people are watching from or wherever anyone in this room is at today in life, nobody is here on accident. You, God, draw close to each of us. And may we respond with excitement. It's okay for us to be a little intimidated, but may we respond to excitement, to doing what you've called us to do, God.